Today's episode of Ford the Rock podcast is brought to you in part by Urban Equity Properties, Rockford's leader in downtown real estate. You may turn to Urban Equity Properties for all your real estate needs, residential, commercial, and retail. You may find Urban Equity Properties at urbanep.com. Welcome to another Ford the Rock podcast presented by The Element of Rockford. And here's your host, Ed McCullough, director of The Element. Good afternoon, this is Ed McCullough. Welcome to another uh, version of Ford the Rock podcast. Our guest today is Mike Dunn, the executive director of the Chicago Rockford International Airport and a Rockford native, I believe. And we're going to ask Mike to get started with some of his background. Well, thanks. I was born and raised in Rockford. I come from a family of five brothers and sisters. I was the youngest of five. Uh, My family had a manufacturing plant here in Rockford that my grandfather actually started. He was from Chicago. And uh, my father took it over and ran it for many years. It was actually one of the last, if not the last, uh, woodworking operation here in Rockford And at one time, Rockford was the woodworking capital of the world, which led to the screw industry because woodworking cabinetry bought a lot of screws and hardware, hinges, so forth and so on. He sold out in 1976. Oh, really? That was that late. I didn't realize it was that late. That's, again, that's an interesting fact is that Rockford was once a major furniture manufacturing center. Yeah, it used to be an ongoing PR battle between Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Rockford, Illinois, as to who was the woodworking capital of the world. When tool and die and uh, aerospace came into Rockford, it kind of put to bed the old woodworking industries. So that was the end of that. Where'd you go to college or high school? The important Rockford question is high school. I actually went to a grade school in Loves Park at St. Bridget's. Ended up graduating from Boylan High School, and then it was then the College of St. Thomas, now the University of St. Thomas up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Okay. So after college, did you head straight back, or did you take a detour? Nope. I came back and went to work for my father, and he realized and kind of let me know that business was kind of a dying business. And at the same time, purely ironically— I met uh, a guy running for governor called Jim Thompson, who was a famous U.S. attorney in those days. And he got elected governor. and He did. And Rockford and Winnebago County were two areas that were very near and dear to his heart. Subsequently, once he was elected in his first term, out of four terms, he was very good to Rockford and worked very well with the Rockford mayors and uh, leadership here, including Zeke. Including Zeke. Always Zeke. Love Zeke. Right. And if I recall properly, because we have known each other a while, you had box seats you shared with Governor Thompson after the governorship at the White Side. Yes, Governor Thompson. The governor uh, threw out the first pitch at the new stadium. I'd always be Comiskey to me. And uh, that was 1991, I believe. And then he uh, ended up with four front row seats from Mr. Reinstorf. And I... uh, would borrow those for several years. And finally, he said, enough borrowing, you're going to pay for half of them. So he, <laughs> he and I became partners, although he was the head partner. <laughs> he was the lead partner, managing partner, if you will. But they used to drive in a lot, as I recall. Oh, I used to go to Chicago, a lot of games. And what was fun about those seats, and it kind of developed an ongoing friendship, was those seats were right next to uh, Mayor Daly's. 
seat. Really? Yes. I never got to meet the senior mayor daily, but Rich Daly sat in those seats a lot. And his brothers, Michael and John and Bill, would always be there. And so we developed quite a good friendship over the years. All right. That's a great lead-in to one of the questions we want to talk about today, which is your political adroitness, if that's a good word for it, a good adjective. You are a Republican. Make no bones about that. And yet you have worked with and around mostly Democrats while on the board at the airport and director of the airport. Independent Morrissey. Morrissey was an independent mayor. But in these really divisive days, especially the last seven, well, since the Tea Party, 2010, how the hell have you done that? Well, there's those people that were around in the Governor Thompson days refer to ourselves as graduates of the Jim Thompson School of Government and Politics, which meant that he was a guy who absolutely believed that you had to work with people on the other side of the aisle in order to get things done. Zeke being a great example. Uh, Mayor McNamara Sr., this mayor's father, and uh, Governor Thompson worked on the state building here and other things. And so we learned that you can disagree philosophically and you can disagree politically with somebody, but in order to get things done on that side of the equation, you better know how to at least get along And you can disagree with somebody, but yet like them or respect them. I've always felt my position over the years, much to the chagrin of a lot of my Republican friends, was not to attack the other side, but to figure out how to work with the other side to do things for my community and for Rockford. And so I think I've been pretty good at that, and I appreciate you bringing it up. You have been very good at that. But I think the key phrase you use there is getting things done. The divides of the last 10 years use it, but the right ultra-conservative don't care about getting things done. They care about, from what we can gather anyway, tearing things apart or tearing them down. But, you know, your track record and your history is accomplishment. Well, this may tie into your old Democrat skin, but I would tell you that there's a lot of far left-wing people that don't care about getting stuff done either. Well, that's true. I'm yeah. So— You know, my point was there's a lot of common ground, and I would give you as an example, the governors who have been the absolute best for the Rockford Airport were uh, Governor Pat Quinn and uh, Governor uh, Pritzker. Uh, They've been absolutely wonderful to the airport. I look at our state delegation, which I always used to think historically was sucked. I mean, it was just the worst. Now we have, I think, very strong representatives and, uh, oh, excuse me, with the exception of Zeke George. Yeah, yeah, with the exception <laughs> of Zeke. But uh, you've got Representative Maurice West and Senator Stottleman and Representative Vela Sosnowski. Those guys do a great job for us. I mean, and they don't look at things in Rockford as black or white. They don't look at rich or poor Republican or Democrat. They, as a group, in my opinion, look at things in terms of how do we make things better. And I think that's important. I agree with you. I I think the key to whatever success Rockford has over the last 20, 25 years has been that attitude of let's do what's in the best interest of the community, what works for Rockford. And people rally around that. And back to what you said earlier, I take a lot of grief. And it's okay. I take a lot of grief 
for my friendship and relationship with Senator Durbin and Senator Duckworth and Congresswoman Bustos at the time when she was in, and the state delegation, Governor Pritzker especially, who I think is a, is a wonderful human being. I really do. Don't agree with him on everything. He knows I don't agree with it, and it's irrelevant whether I do or don't agree with him on everything. But the point is, these people, these folks have been very, very strong for Rock. You're right. They all have been. And Pritzker, quite frankly, surprised me. He's been stronger for Rockford and paid more attention and been here more than, quite frankly, I, previous governors. I can't yeah, remember what I will give uh, credit to our current mayor, McNamara, who has developed and forged a terrific relationship with uh, Governor Pritzker. And coming from a background in relationships with governors, strong relationships with governors, you know, they want to like coming to Rockford. They want to feel good coming to Rockford. And once they do, then they will want to see how they can help. And I think Mayor McNamara has done a great job in making Governor Pritzker feel welcomed in Rockford and feel part of our success here. And that's one of the key jobs for any mayor, making those people feel good right. about coming home or right. coming here. It's nothing to do with, did you vote for this or did you not vote for that? Or are you for this or are you for that? It's just simply a human reaction to a person. It is. And it's, you're welcome here. Now, the thing I've been fascinated by over the years, one thing is, how the hell do you get along with Senator Durbin so well? I want to point out to people, one of the key pieces, and we'll talk about this, is the airport has received a tremendous amount of federal funding as it needs to over the years to expand the way it has. And we'll be asking Mike about that. But a key component of that is the connection to Senator Durbin. And this, to me, is a fascinating, here's the Republican guy, and here's the second-ranking senator, Democratic senator. And you get along with him like, I, I can't even think, you know, it's just unbelievable. Well, I would say this. First of all, I've known Dick Durbin a long time. I knew Dick Durbin when he was a state representative down in Springfield. Didn't know him well, but I knew him. And our relationship has increased since then. When I went on to the airport as, as a board member and eventually became chairman of the board at the airport, I started interacting with he and his staff. I think that Durbin has always been a person, in my opinion. The senator has always been a person who said, how can I help? How can I do things? You know, how can I make something happen? I've said this. I think Senator Durbin has the best staff I've ever dealt with at any level. He truly likes Rockford and he truly likes the airport. We've maintained a relationship. I've never had that I can recall a political discussion with him. He's never asked me what I thought about a certain subject, nor have I ever asked him what he thought about a certain subject politically. He's always been there to talk about the airport and been very, very supportive. So, And a good guy, by the way. And a good guy. So to focus in a way, these relationships, these bipartisan relationships, are forged around the mutual desire to accomplish something for the community. Yeah. And that's a mistake, if I may just piggyback on that. That's a mistake I think that we as a community have made over the years and many communities have probably made over the years, that if they disagreed with somebody politically, that they wouldn't talk to them or they wouldn't try to forge a relationship to make the community better. And I've always felt that was a mistake, and it was something I always felt very strongly about uh, in terms of forging these relationships. So the, the key to getting these things to go, major projects, because the expansion at the airport has been consistent and in many ways methodical 
over a long period of time. I mean, you started, when were you appointed to the board? I went on the board in 2001, and I was on the board for two years and then became chairman. I was chairman for nine. For nine years. And then after that, you became executive director? No. After that, I was asked to join you, if you recall, to go down and form the RAVE organization. I, along with you and four others, put a committee together that basically redefined or reestablished what we thought downtown should be using RAVE and the and the arena. RAVE was what the original Metro Authority became. The Metro Center Met- Authority. Metro Center Authority. So yeah. Clear. So the, um, I spent two years down there and then was asked by the mayor and then county board chairman if I would go on the board at on the new RAFE board, and the Airport Authority Act, the Illinois Airport Authority Act, has kind of a very unique set of rules embedded in the Airport Authority Act, which says that if you are on Airport Authority board, you cannot serve on any other public body board or be a public employee. So, yeah, it was kind of shocking to find out. So I could not be on both the airport board and the new RAFE board, and because of the work that we did on the committee. And which was quite a bit. Quite a bit I, of work, a huge yeah. amount of work. I left the airport at the request of the mayor and the county board chairman and went down to the RAVE organization for two years. I didn't know that. Didn't realize that. And I was in the middle of some of that. You were in the middle of a lot of it. So the, the RAVE board, and just to talk about that for a minute, it's not the airport, but it does show, again, your ability to really work with a diverse group of people. The six or seven people that were appointed by Mayor Morrissey, right? Yes, yeah, and, it was Mayor Morrissey, and Chairman Christensen, and Chairman, and they gave us a pretty broad mandate. And candidly, our findings as a group shook up the community and really shook up the rave group, the staff, the people of the Metro Authority and supporters. It wasn't what they were expecting, so to speak. Right. And uh, why well, don't you talk about? By the way, it? I was one of six people, and by all means. Not the smartest of the six people. There were a lot of very smart people on that committee, as you recall. Very smart people on that committee who delved into the operations of the Metro Center Authority and who looked at how the Metro Center Authority kind of fit into the overall downtown revitalization. And the Coronado was one of them. And it did. I mean, our findings did not please a lot of people, especially the Coronado folks, friends of the Coronado uh, but uh, we forged ahead anyway and uh, moved ahead and, and put them both basically under one umbrella. It was a great thing for Rockford. I said earlier, Lindy Gris Cunningham, who was the editor at the newspaper at the time, looked at that report that our group, six of us, put together and said that, in her opinion, it was the best report that had ever been written about anything here in Rockford. So we were all very proud of that. I think the story speaks for itself. The findings in that, as far as it related singularly to the Metro Center Authority, became the RAVE organization. The RAVE organization was financially in just horrible condition, going back to the city of Rockford for hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, millions. And uh, so we turned that around, got rid of a lot of people, brought in a private management organization to run it. Subsequently, the Blackhawks have bought the uh, Ice Hogs. Financially, they're doing much better than ever. Well, they are. And also, candidly, the professionalism paid off right away, as I recall. I mean, the staff was reduced. You had HR policies. There were a lot of things we don't need to go into the weeds about, especially with the new 
GM, whose name is escaping me, and I'll hear about that. You know, the Coronado bookings are up now in the last year. Gretchen Gilmore. Gretchen. And uh, I've really, I've complimented her a couple of times on this because I've always thought that kind of lagged behind if people focused on the Blackhawks. And it was natural. That was the big ticket. But she's done a great job of really creating dates for Coronado. One one of our uh, committee members was John Phelps. If you recall. Oh, John was, yeah, John. John, had John was very strong about getting resting control of the Coronado because he felt that Coronado was not putting on enough profitable events annually and should be more open to the public and more of the public should have access to that beautiful theater. And uh, he was always a proponent of more shows, good shows, quality shows, profitable shows. And Gretchen Gilmore and SMG have done that. Yeah. And it benefits downtown. I mean, when you, you bet, you know, every restaurant is full just about on a night at Coronado's, something's going on. It really is. All right. Shifting back to the airport, although that was a great demonstration of your leadership and ability to bring people together and push back against the leadership of the community, candidly. And that took well, some and like I said time. to you earlier, I mean, I, I love being known as a guy who did good things at the airport. But I really, really like being known as the guy that helped put the rave organization together. Well, kudos to you and the group of six. UPS started when? Let's go back to the beginning. Well, the first flights came in for UPS. And then when I say flights, I'm being generous. It was one or two a week coming in for Land's End. And, uh, Land's End, the, the clothing company? Clothing company, yeah. Swiss Colony and Motorola. And there were like one or two or three flights a week in 1992. And when UPS saw what was happening and how good things were going, they agreed with then-director Fred Ford to go ahead and expand and build an operation here. And that was 94. And that was 94. And Fred Ford, by the way, deserves a lot of credit. He was a visionary, too. He the guy really was fantastic. Fantastic. He really knew the business. He really knew what he was doing. As they say, he could sell ice to Eskimos. <laughs> he really could. So that started it. But then that grew, and that was the nucleus for the growth. I was part of a group that did a study in about 2001, 2002, that talked about how to build on the UPS and how to grow things out. And as I can remember from a couple of meetings, you being the one board member who absolutely jumped on that report and said, this is what we have to do. Even though at the time, the board itself and the executive director really pushed back on that report. But you were the one who just said, this is the map. We're going down this road. And you made that happen, which included build out UPS, expand the cargo, but also go into tourism and, you know, for passenger service, go towards what is now Allegiant and things. Do you want to talk about that fork in the road some? Sure. Well, I think the airport was a perfect example of uh, things in Rockford that people don't pay attention to. I mean, here's this wonderful, wonderful natural asset out there, and folks would look at it and just kind of shrug their shoulders and go away and think to themselves, well, maybe this should be just a little general aviation airport where guys in their little single-engine Cessnas can come and do some touch-and-goes and maybe keep an airplane And uh, we felt it should be so much more. And in, I can't remember the year, early 2000, 2004 maybe, we hired Bob O'Brien. And Bob, I was chairman of the board at that time, 
And Bob used to have a saying, which I always loved, and I love more now than I did then, but I loved it always, which is the downside to the Rockford Airport is that you're 60 miles away from O'Hare. The upside to the Rockford Airport is that you're 60 miles away from O'Hare. And I always thought that was pretty ingenious on his part. And it's proven to be very true and very accurate. You know, location, location, location. I'm an old realtor. And, uh, you know, that has, in terms of real estate, that's kind of a mantra of ours. And I would just tell you that I remember as a kid, my grandparents lived in Chicago and going in and out of Chicago. And my father would say to us in those days, in the early 50s, someday there's going to be an airport out here on the West End. Someday there's going to be a four-lane road going out towards Rockford. You just wait and see. And sure as heck, that all happened. And frankly, up until the uh, economic recession of 2008, people were moving here left and right from Chicago. And it's starting to kick back up again now, where there's a lot of businesses coming out that 90 corridor. And there's a lot of people that are moving out towards Rockford or into Rockford from that area. The bottom line is, is that there's just a lot of opportunity out here. And the airport was one of them where, you know, we looked at that airport as an unbelievable diamond in the rough. And we thought, how can we take advantage of the situation? How can we make this uh, really something viable economically? And, of course, O'Hare, I love O'Hare. I think O'Hare's a great airport, but it's, they're just so busy and so congested. They're like JFK or Atlanta or LAX or the rest of the big ones. It's just very hard to do business there because they're so busy. And cargo takes a back seat at the big airports. And so our focus, although we've always felt very strong about passenger and want to see passenger do well, it'll be a certain niche of uh, passenger business. We always felt very strong that there was a great market for cargo business. And that's what we started focusing on. Well, and it's been proven true. But how did you go about that? I mean, you started with UPS. It's a little bit like talking to the Democrats. You go, UPS has got it's the second largest hub. Hey, Amazon, come yeah. on in. Well, we'll the play thing nice is together. I, I, we took a position early, at least I took a position early on at the airport that, you know, nobody was going to do it for you. There wasn't a uh, magnificent sales team here in Rockford, marketing team that would go out and try to bring businesses into Rockford. So we hired our own. We hired some experts. And frankly, for f- five to 10 years, It was a pretty heavy load on the overhead, you know, that we had these cargo experts working for us, and they were working hard, trying real hard, you know, to bring business to our airport. And we had the infrastructure in place because of UPS. We just needed activity. And so our team, led by Ken Ryan, struck gold with Amazon. They heard that they were looking for a Midwestern air hub operation. So we contacted uh, Amazon and Amazon came out, and we negotiated over a year to two years with them. We actually had a facility that wasn't big enough for them, but they were, they agreed to start in this smaller facility. We were talking there about the warehouse. Yeah, it was 75,000 square, square feet. For unloading and yes. loading and stuff. And we needed, and this is where Durbin and uh, Congresswoman Bustos came in, very helpful. We Not only did we need to expand that operation, but we needed to expand what we call the tarmac where the planes park, because, you know, you can have a great building, but if you can't park six aircraft, you're in in trouble. And those tarmacs are very, very expensive. You know, a lot of concrete go in those things. So uh, we were fortunate to do that. I think once Rockford landed Amazon, 
then we got the world's attention. All of a sudden, other people started looking at us, like the international cargo guys, a lot of okay, German let me companies. stop you for sure. just a moment here. When did the Amazon deal happen? I would say Amazon started in 2007. 2007. 2000, maybe, no, I'm probably 2008 or nine. maybe, you know, late, late first, right. first decade. The first decade, and that includes going out, finding them, and then when they opened in 2008, 2009? I think their first flights were in probably 14 or 15. Oh, okay. So is that long to get the money? Oh, build it? sure. So there's sure. a long lead time. Oh, yeah. All right. So, because I want to talk about that. This is stuff is not easy. This takes time oh, no, and a lot patient. Of heavy, uh, I hate to use the term, but a lot of heavy, heavy lifting. lifting. Yeah. All right. So let's kind of go back, because this is something I wasn't aware of. You hired cargo marketing people? We, yeah. Because, or there's a firms that are specialized no, in no, that? No, 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 individuals. I always looked at the airport not as a, a governmental organization, but as a business. And if you have a product, you have to market that product. And in order to market the product, you have to have people who are experts, who understand it, and who have connections and who have the ability to knock on doors and have those doors open for them. And so we had a couple. Ken Ryan was the first. And he knew the cargo business. He knew the players, both in Chicago and around the world. Right. And he was an employee of the airport or yes. a contract? Or? Yeah. No, he was an employee. employee. He built okay. a team. And even up until today, Ken runs a three-person operation. We have a person over in Germany and Europe, and we have a person in uh, China. So you're continuing this business of marketing the airport oh, on an international basis? Every day it has to be done, you know, because— We've had carriers, and again, when you're talking about cargo, you're talking about different levels. You have the freight forwarders, the guys who coordinate the pickup, the freight, transportation, whether it's by truck or by air or whatever, at both ends. And then you have uh, handlers, the guys who load and unload airplanes. And they each, all three of them, have their customers. And uh, so you have to have somebody who understands those three different levels of activity and has the ability to get their foot in the door, basically, and talk to these folks. And so we've been pretty successful in that regard. But, you know, I will tell you, Ed, we've had people who have come. I'm talking about Chicago-based people who would come out to our airport and they take a look at it and they go, we never knew. We never knew what you had here. We never knew what you— This is still the day. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's shocking. It's better today than it was a year or two ago, but it's still shocking how many people were like, wow, we never knew you guys had what you have here. Which speaks to that whole business of we're not marketing our product as a community. We're not marketing the community perhaps as well as we might. No, I I don't think that, you know, you told me don't go negative, so I'm trying to be positive. I don't think we as a community do a very good job marketing our community. I, I really don't. Okay, we'll leave it at that. We're taking a break right now. It's time to refill our bank account. We'd like to thank the Eckberg Insurance Group for supporting the Elements Ford the Rock podcast. Please go to Eckberg.com to connect with Tyler Pickering. He'll work with you on all your insurance needs, whether they be personal, business, or not-for-profit. Once again, go to Eckberg.com for all your insurance needs. I want to go back and talk about, there's now this, you talked about marketing person in Germany uh, or Europe. 
there's a now a group of international carriers, right? Yes. Coming in. Yes. In the last three or four years or so. Correct. What's that about? I mean, we operated for several years with a lot of charters where somebody would say, you know, it'd be just easier for us to send a charter flight, which is contracted to a specific carrier or a specific shipper or consignee out to Rockford. And that was, you know, one every now and then, you know, we'd get something like that. Be Back to the but, onesie twosie yeah, stuff. But we were looking for the ongoing scheduled service flights. And the first company that came to Rockford was a company out of Hamburg, Germany called Senator, Senator International. And Senator International was both an airline and a freight forwarder. And their job, they would go around Europe and look for freight going to the United States. And they would consolidate it put it on an airplane, send it here. And they found that really O'Hare was not very friendly for them and very expensive to operate out of. So they found Rockford and they started operating out of Rockford. And that's kind of an interesting story because Senator has subsequently been purchased or acquired by the world's largest cargo operation called Maersk. Oh, they, really? Yeah, if you drive down, you see a train go by, you'll see the letters M-A-R-E-S-K, on some of the trailers on the trains, and that's Maersk. Maersk now owns Senator, and they are the biggest in the world. So they're bigger than UPS. Oh, gosh, than, yes. All those people. Oh, huge. They're huge. And they have a foothold now in the Rockford Airport. Yes. Maersk, in our world of aviation, cargo aviation, I mean, there's articles being written all the time about how Maersk is in Rockford, Illinois, and has opened up an operation in Rockford, Illinois, and it's really gratifying. All right, so— now, are there other people or the other sure. couple other freight forwarders? Oh, yeah. D.B. Shanker, which is one of the biggest in the world as well, is here in Rockford, and they're based in Rockford, and there's so much activity here. I mean, again, you may have four or five different airlines. Atlas Airlines is a huge cargo operation. They're here on a fairly regular basis, and uh, we've had Etihad, and all sorts of international airlines have been so coming there, in. So there's potential here for significant growth over the next five, 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will just tell you that every 10 years, the state of Illinois Department of Transportation does an economic impact study. Right. And when I came back to the airport as director in 2012, the state did their audit and did their a report, and it showed that the airport had a one just slightly under $1 billion economic impact on the community. And I was really disappointed because I thought, gee, be sure it'd be nice to get that $1 billion level hit, and we were slightly below it. So it was a little disappointing. In 2022, they did their 10-year review, and it ended up being $4.5 billion impact, economic impact. So so four times. Four times, growth. yeah. So... That was very rewarding and very helpful. The jobs that we've created out at the airport, you know, between UPS, Amazon, and the what we call international cargo, thousands of jobs. Well, there's, that's one of the questions I was going to ask you. Many of these are decent-paying jobs, but there's literally thousands, right? 8,000 people go to the airport every day to the campus to work. Now, it may be, you know, companies like UPS and Amazon, maybe smaller operations on the airport, 
but 8,000 people a day. That probably comes close to making it the largest employer, in quotes. Well, as far as the campus is concerned, it certainly does, I think. The camp in the region, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. There might. And they are, back to your question, they are all good-paying jobs. I mean, they're great-paying jobs, which kind of leads me into my Rock Valley College story and AAR. The next note. Go <laughs> ahead. You know, we're in well, Go right ahead with AAR. One of the things back in the... Uh, I would say 2010, 2012, 2013, was we we as a team at the airport, and we have a terrific team of people at the airport, by the way. We sat down, we thought, how can we diversify? We're certainly, we've got Allegiant on the passenger side. Uh, we've got very strong success with cargo. At least we're moving in the right direction with cargo. What else can we do? And we thought aircraft maintenance is an operation that made sense. So we... Again, 60 miles from O'Hare. Yep, and, yep. Yeah. So we went to a company called AAR, who at the time, I'm sure 99.9% .9 of the people in Rockford had never heard of. AAR happened to be the largest MRO operator in the world, and that's maintenance repair operation for commercial aircraft. Well, certainly in the top three. I, I won't say they're, they're large. They're huge. I knocked on their door and, and uh, we said, listen, we're out here in Rockford. We have a beautiful infrastructure. We have great runways. We have a good labor market. How can we get you to come out to Rockford and try to set up some sort of an operation? Now, I got to tell you, I'm thinking a little bitty hanger, a couple tires inside the hanger, a few wrenches. You know, if something goes wrong, you just fix it. $40 million later. <laughs> <laughs> AAR uh, came, came to Rockford. It was just a great, it was a two-year-long, and it's really kind of, if you've ever had a chance to go out to the airport and see it, it's kind of a one-of-a-kind operation, these two huge domes out there that each one of them can fit a 747-8 inside. Each one of them can fit an Airbus 800 inside of them. So they're absolutely magnificent. I've been out there, and if anybody listening... Drive by. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's really remarkable. And it's not unusual to have inside one of the hangars, there's two. Inside one of the hangars, it's not unusual to see five 737s parked inside one hangar. That's how big each one of those hangars are. So it's really interesting. But anyway, during the project development with the AAR, I thought to myself, you know, there's an operation on the airport in an old, battered, beat-up hangar, I mean, just disgusting old hangar, that Rock Valley College operated. And it was to train young men and women to be airplane mechanics. And they were graduating about 25 kids a year. AAR was hoping that their goal would be to get to 500 mechanics a year. They're now plus 400. Really? Uh, there are 400 graduates oh, a yeah. year? Yeah, I well, mean... they have 400 employees. Oh, okay. And many of whom start out at Rock Valley College. And so I went to Rock Valley College and tried to get them to say, well, basically what I said to them was, you're in this crummy old hangar. Why don't we figure out a way to get you a new high-tech type school? And it was not received very well. Let me be polite and say it was not received very well. So I ended up going down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to Spartan College and tried to get Spartan College to come to Rockford. And they were very, very interested. Now, so Spartan I, College is focused on aviation. Yes, yes. That's what they do. And so I came back to Rockford and I said, listen, if you guys don't want to do this, Spartan's willing to come to Rockford and do it. And it would be a shame 
because you guys have a good program here. You just need to make it larger. And at the time, Mike Mastriani had just become the president of Rock Valley College, and he and Patrick Murphy, who was the chairman of the board at the time, met with us and said, we want this project. Tell us what we got to do. They said, we got to build a new building. And they did. And so now they have a very nice, which AAR helped them design and set up. Uh, They have a nice building right across the street from AAR, and they're graduating about 125 to 150 young men and women a, a year now. And frankly, AAR set up a scholarship program so you can go to Rock Valley College, work at AAR, get your certificate, and then go back and work full-time at AAR. So it's it's really a wonderful program. Okay. And they're not limited. Those graduates are not limited to work at AAR. No, I mean, no. they could go to O'Hare or Madison or wherever. Yeah, so. we have probably five or six different companies on the airport that hire A&P mechanics. And you're right. They can, if so choose... They can go anywhere. It's like, I guess, practicing law. You can go anywhere and practice law. So that that's a venture that did meet resistance at the beginning, but has now truly worked out. It met some resistance at the beginning. It also it allowed us to collaborate very nicely with the city of Rockford, Winnebago County, state of Illinois, and the federal government. We all came together and made that project happen, and all led by Senator Durbin, by the way. All right, let's run through that list again, because this speaks to what it takes to get a major project done. This was a $40 million project, and it took, again, go through the list. Well, the city of Rockford at the time was Mayor Morrissey, and the city council agreed to fund $5 million of the project. Uh, Chairman Christensen and the county board agreed to fund $8 million of the project. The federal government was limited, so they could put in about $2.5 million. And the state of Illinois, and there's a story there, pledged $15 million. That was $15 million. $15 million. That got hung up, as I recall. Yeah, it was many sleepless nights. The um, uh, Governor Quinn bought into the project right away. He loved the project. And so he and his team committed $15 million to the project. He subsequently lost his election to Governor Rauner, who claimed to be a friend of Rockford and a friend of the airport. We never saw him in four years. He just disappeared. He evaporated. So we were left for four years having to self-fund $15 million, which put a huge burden on the airport. And then when Governor Pritzker was running for governor for the first time, I had a chance to sit down and talk to him. And he said, if I'm elected, what can I do to help? And I said, make your commitment to from the state of Illinois to the airport of $15 million. And within a couple months after he was elected, he showed up with a check for $15 million. And that's, I mean, hard, hard, that's to, hard forget. to forget. And thank you, Governor Pritzker. That's really what it takes. Part of that story that's important is the persistence of the airport authority, you and the, and the board and the community to go ahead and fund that $15 million for four years which is not an easy task at all. No, it was very tough. And you just brought up a subject. I always mention that when I'm giving a talk around town, you mentioned the board. And can you name any of the board members? Yeah, I can name Mike Shablowski, Cicero, Tanya, LeMaire. That's not, I'm cheating. I looked at the board last night. I really know Mike Shablowski. The reality is in Rockford, most people can't name one or two board members out of the seven. Exactly. And these people have been the most dedicated, hardworking, 
selfless people you could possibly imagine, always making decisions based on what's best for the airport and for the community. When you look at the expansion at the airport, in my opinion, it's not that it benefits economically or financially the airport. It benefits financially and economically the city and the region. And these seven board members made decisions based on how can we help the employment situation in Rockford? How can we help the economic situation in Rockford? And they do that. Everybody thinks, well, the airport's making all this money. We really don't make that much money. We invest a lot of money to make things better. And by doing so, it helps the city of Loves Park, the city of McChesney Park, Rockford, Winnebago County, and all northern Illinois. Well, let's stop for a moment and debunk the myth. You may run it as a business, and you clearly are doing so. I mean, with marketing, diversification, these are things a business does. But the airport is a governmental entity, so it's not profit-oriented. It is oriented towards public service and serving the community. So anybody out there who thinks that the airport, Chicago, Rockford International Airport's, you know, got a stash of cash someplace, that's a myth. Don't think about it. It's not there. That's very true. And the bottom line is it's just like, you know, you make decisions, and we are a government entity. We are a, our own taxing district. We are not owned or operated or controlled by the city of Rockford or by Winnebago County or by any other government entity. The, the reality is, is that we develop things and make things happen for the good of the whole. And uh, we're part of this community called Rockford, Loves Park, Manchester Park, Winnebago County, Northern Illinois. And we are an economic driver in that area. And so I think it's very, very important. And our board, and I give them high credit, they don't make careless decisions. They make very fact-orientated, strategic decisions as to what is good for the community, for the area. Okay, and that leads us to, leads me to, the other thing that I've flown Allegiant several times, I got a brother who lives down in uh, St. Petersburg, and it's great because I just fly to Clearwater. And how did we get to Allegiant doing things? I can remember Cancun vacations and things. What's the story on the passenger service? Well, the passenger service is something that quite often people think that we've given up on or we maybe decided to take a break from. It's not true. The airline industry right now, over the last two years, and well, maybe three years, and currently is in flux, as you watch the headlines. That's a gentle, gentle word. Flux. And, uh, you know, there's pilot shortages, there's aircraft shortages. So trying to recruit an airline, a passenger airline, to the airport is a very difficult thing, especially difficult when you're 60 miles away from O'Hare what we call the legacy carriers, the United, the American, the Delta, the Southwest, they're not going to make moves to come to Rockford. We don't have the population. But niche airlines like Allegiant, we believe, are a perfect fit for Rockford. Much the same logic as the cargo guys. They just aren't treated very well at the big airports. And here they come out and they are, as my dad told me when I was going to college, would you rather be a big fish in a small pond or would you rather be a small fish in a big pond? And uh, these airlines, I think, enjoy being in small markets outside the urban areas. And passengers enjoy coming out to rock. You know, we, as far as the Legion is concerned, we are the number one airport in the country in terms of passenger ridership. 
So, really? Yeah. So we're number one for allergic to Yes. I yeah. No and uh, they're very pleased with Rockford. They like Rockford a lot. It's doing very, very well. All their routes are doing extremely well out of Rockford. Now, interestingly enough, Allegiant used to be, and I would say this if Maury Gallagher is the president and CEO of uh, Allegiant, if he were sitting across the table, I would say this. Allegiant used to be a horrible, horrible airline back 10, 12 years ago. I mean, they were flying old MD-80s. Pil- really? I was afraid to get on yeah, this. <laughs> their, their pilots were unhappy with their contracts. Their flight attendants were unhappy with their contracts. A lot of labor disputes going on, a lot of breakdowns, and uh, he has moved that airline into what I would say today is one of the best little quality airlines in the country. They've got newer aircraft. They're getting more newer aircraft. They've The last trip I had was on an Airbus something. A 320. A 320. Yep. It was immaculate. Yep. Service was great. Everything was And fine. they have all brand new 737s coming on board, too, in the next year to two years. So, and they've really done a nice job putting their labor piece together with their pilots and with their flight attendants. And if you fly Allegiant, you'll see that the employees are happy. They're just happy, whether it's at the gate or on the airplane. They're just all happy, happy people. It really makes for a nice deal. What's interesting is that there have been people who started Allegiant, worked at Allegiant, were very successful Allegiant, who've now kind of broken away and gone to other airlines. There's three startup airlines out there right now that we're talking to, which are very modeled like Allegiant. They're leisure, vacation, low-cost carriers. They don't want to go to the big hubs. And each one of those CEOs at those three airlines came from Allegiant. Yeah, so we have a good relationship with these guys. And and so I think over the next year or so, you'll see another one or two airlines coming into Rockford. Now, as far as the international stuff is concerned, that was Apple Vacations, going going down to the uh, Mexico and the Caribbean, and they got just hammered. They got hammered horribly during the COVID thing, and so they're coming. And we're talking to them right now about firing up uh, both Cancun and Punta Cana, uh, Dominican Republic, this next season. So hopefully we'll be able to announce that soon. That'd be great. That'd be fantastic. One last thing on that, my own personal experience. I've always made a point when I get on, don't like talking a lot on planes, but where are you from, right? Or I'll see a UW Madison sweatshirt. And I've also been amazed by like McHenry County, which is not even 30 miles from O'Hare. And I've met people from McHenry coming out here to get on a plane. Yeah. You know? the One of the things when you are trying to recruit an airline to your airport, one of the first things they want to know is, are you able to draw? people here from, you know, Rockford can't survive as a Rockford airport or as a Winnebago County airport or as a Loves Park or McChesney airport. You have to survive as a regional airport and you have to be able to prove that you have the ability to draw people in. We have always been very successful in drawing people from the west towards the Mississippi, from the north in the Wisconsin area down. But they really want to know, can you pull people from those western suburbs? I think the answer is we've now proven that we can. Yeah. And when did the terminals gotten a lot better? That was another thing that needed a lot of help. When did that happen? That, that was the first of my projects out there is we went to the federal government, got $25 million to add on to the terminal and to completely rehab it. I'll tell you a funny story about the terminal is I was so proud of that term. I mean, if you walk through the terminal, it's absolutely beautiful now compared to what it used to be. 
And uh, whenever I'm around giving talks or people come up to me and tell me what a nice experience they had at the airport, they always thank me for the bathrooms. <laughs> and I That's thought, true. Yeah. And I thought, $25 million, <laughs> and you're thrilled with the bathroom. Which is, I guess, what it's supposed to be. You want people to be happy. Hey, listen, you go, you go to, the, to the BMO Center, you want to be thrilled that the bathrooms are in good shape, <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, speaking as a kid who grew up at Notre Dame using those bathrooms in that stadium, I understand their comment completely. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. So the one thing we like to do as we wrap things up is say, and you're a guy of big pictures and visions, we like to ask our guest, do you have a vision this for Rockford or the airport, or what would you envision? You What would you like to see happen in, in the area in the next 10 to 15 years? Well, I would like to see Rockford is such a beautiful community. And I am prejudiced, born and raised here, raised my family here. I think that we're slowly moving away from our self-hate, if I can use that word. There's a, I, Self-hate's not, yeah, not too strong There's a, a lot of people that just aren't happy. But when you talk to people, and again, back to my real estate days, when and my wife is a, in real estate, when you talk to people that are coming here from outside the area, coming in for employment here, they say nice things. They like Rockford. I mean, they really do. Sure, they will tell you that they wish we had this and they wish we had that, and it's getting better. And I think I always laugh. Mayor McNamara's father, John McNamara, I worked with him pretty closely in the 80s, early 80s used to say the greatest natural resource we have in Rockford is the river. When you say you look at the river, you look at the river in downtown, west side, east side, everywhere. And it used to be, and it did. I mean, if you're being honest, it was kind of a wall. It was a block. And I think that that's being knocked down now, at least that concept of that theory. And uh, we're becoming one big, took a long time to get there. So if you ask me, I would like to see us keep building on that. I hope that we're successful in doing that. I really think that we need to do more downtown. I mean, I told you that when I came in here today. I just think downtown needs to, to be supported and invested in more than in a bigger way. In a bigger way. And there's, and there's always more things that can happen downtown. You can always build you know, easier parking, you can market, you can throw events. There's always things. I had uh, lunch recently at uh, Prairie, Prairie, Street. Prairie Street, and I looked up on the wall and they had these posters of the people on the docks in the summertime on the river. There's thousands of people, and I'm thinking to myself, gosh, that's just wonderful, you know. It is. It's fantastic. And I hope this Barbara Coleman project works. I think that's going to be a big deal for Rockford. I hope it all works out. Sure. Be, it'd be a great thing. Mike, time to wrap it up. I want to thank you so very much for all the work you've done over the years. You've been a great leader for the community. You've built, in my opinion, you and the group, the board and your team, have built Rockford's great economic driver from what was basically kind of a stop-and-go airport, right? And so you deserve tons of credit for that, and we appreciate you. Well, new blood coming in January 1st. January 1st. That's a, so December 31st, the last day. That's it for me. And Zach Oakley will be taking over. Who's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Good deal. All right. The torch will be passed. All right. Thanks again. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to another Ford the Rock podcast by The Element. You can find us on Apple, Google, or any place you typically access your podcasts.